0: Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastCout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fastmodel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir. And today you will have a treat. Eric Musselman. The new head coach at Arkansas Razorbacks is our guest. He is absolutely one of our favorites that we have on our podcast, and you'll see why. Uh, we work together, we coach against each other, and we're dear friends. Uh, this guy is one of the most dynamic coaches in basketball at any level. Uh, he's going to really do a great job with Arkansas, and I think you'll see why. We're going to cover a wide range of topics uh, from philosophy to summer workouts to his care, of you know his players to his player development, but most importantly, him as a father—one of the best I know. So I think after this timeout, you're really going to enjoy listening to my friend Muss, Eric Musselman. Let's meet our newest sponsor, Max One. Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows you to bring your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. One thing I love about Max One is the convenience of every feature. You can easily create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached to each workout and deliver them to your athletes' phones, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts. Staying true to being an all-in-one platform, the communication features really can't be beat, giving you the ability to send messages to athletes, coaches, and even parents with the touch of a button. Calendars can also be loaded into MaxOne, allowing you to organize your program with color-coded schedules and events. With my experience as a coach, I know the importance of the Athlete Coach Connection. MaxOne gives any coach, at any level, a way to start showing up where athletes are spending up to six hours a day with their eyes fixed on their phone. I was blown away by not only the number of tools offered by MaxOne, but the seamless ease of use. After talking with the MaxOne team, I can tell they share that my same passion for helping coaches and athletes get better. With a team of former coaches and athletes, Max One brings valuable expertise to a place of need in the coaching community. I've seen the value of Max One can bring to your program. I wouldn't want you to miss this awesome platform. To see if Max One would be a good fit for your program, head to their website at gomaxone.com. And schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max1 Program Specialist. Mention that Coach Brendan sir sent you and receive a special 10% off if you decide to purchase this already affordable platform. Again, visit www.gomaxone.com onecom right now to schedule your free demo and you won't be disappointed. Remember, go max one dot com. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. Dish B Ball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right, mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Hey, welcome to another Coach You Podcast with the Coach Brendan Sir and one of my favorite people in the world, Eric Musselman, the new head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, is my guest. E, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, Coach Sir. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: As our friend from Orlando, Lou Holtz, once said to us, uh, boy, this would be a great effing job if we didn't have to play games, huh? Boy, oh boy, (laughs) what a a job, huh? Man, oh man. And uh, tell me. Uh, you were you, you. The job you did at Nevada was absolutely, you know, amazing. Who would have ever thought when you went there the results you would have had? No one in basketball could have. It was one of the great things of all time. Now you go into a place where the expectations are off the chart because that's how the Razorback fans are. They're just fabulous sports fans. And uh, how does one deal with that, Eric?
1: Well, you know, first of all, coach, obviously the four years at Nevada were great and, and to you know, to kind of coach and be a part of of building something for four years where it grew each year, uh, both on the floor and then just as importantly with the enthusiasm in the community was, was uh was an incredible four years and and now the opportunity here at Arkansas Um, is an amazing opportunity for me as a coach and and for our staff when we eventually get our staff complete. Uh, But there are expectations. We do have incredible fan base. Uh, And and it's a unique job because uh, it's not just a community surrounding the university. It's an entire state uh, that has passion for the Razorbacks. And then you add in the fact uh, that there's been a winning tradition here uh, that plays in an incredible conference, um, so it is a it's, a it's a it's a great great job and one that not only myself but my entire family is excited about.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, in following that whole uh, experience for you, um, tell me, uh, you know, and it, it's almost like recruiting. Uh, all of a sudden, it went from one day maybe something, and then the next day, here comes Arkansas. How did that all play out?
1: Well, Coach, it was, um, for me, it's, it, it, was, it was unique because, uh, you know, just as you, most of our lives coaching at the NBA level, uh, and then you go to the college level, um, and you're an assistant coach, and then all of a sudden, when, when you hit a certain point at a mid-major, opportunities start coming up, and, and my family and I were, were really happy at Nevada, Uh, and it was going to take like a, what we felt like a really special opportunity, uh, to leave a really good situation and, and, and leave a community that we liked. Um, and that, that opportunity came at Arkansas, but, uh, this March was a little bit different, you know, for my family and I with different opportunities that, that were popping up and, and, uh, everything happened so fast. Uh, and then, and then when you talk to, and have other opportunities. It's you know how are you going to fit, and and everything that I do at the college level, I keep bringing back to the NBA. And at the NBA level, you're you're not going to have success without having a good general manager and good ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the collegiate level, you're not going to have success without a great athletic director and a great chancellor slash president um, of the university. And so uh, we found that fit here at Arkansas, and and uh, but it is. You know, at some point in your career, you, you do have the opportunity uh, to be selective. And, and I think sometimes when you're younger, uh, you know, you just continue to take whatever job opportunities in front of you. And, and, and then you hit a certain point in your career where you don't have to do that. Um, and so the decision making process becomes much different.
0: You know, let's go um uh... Back to Nevada for a second. Uh, it came your last three years there, almost like you know we have. You're now going to be on the SEC network all the time. Uh, it's one of the greatest things of that's ever been invented for college basketball for the SEC because you know every one of your games is on national TV basically, which is kind of cool and and <clears throat> so. But when you're at Nevada, Nevada basketball was must-watch TV. It was something that almost all of your games uh, were on. And what a tribute, because that's a team you couldn't have found on uh, any station in the world, probably even Reno, uh, before you went there. Uh, what that? How does that change the way, obviously, then kids from all over the country know about your program? How did that change for you guys? Because it, before it was New Mexico, you know, a little San Diego State, a uh, little Fresno maybe and stuff, but, and, and a little Boise. Maybe. But then all of a sudden, it was Nevada, 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 every every game. And, and I thought that was spectacular for your
1: kids. I mean, Coach, it was amazing because, you know, our, our recruiting, my first year, the first summer was really difficult. It was only regional recruiting. It was yeah. basically the Bay Area, Sacramento, um, you know, some Los Angeles. and And then all of a sudden – uh, after year three, when we went to the Sweet 16 um, and going into last year, where tw- I think 28 of our 30 games were on major national television networks, and we kind of became a mid-major team, um, not at the Gonzaga level, but probably um, just below that, where people really enjoyed watching our team play. Uh, we had star player recognition. Mm-hmm. We promoted our players at an, an you know, on social media. We, we really promoted the Martin twins and Jordan Caroline and those three guys in particular. Coach, they became household names in the college basketball world, and um, they weren't first name even. It, it was like the Martin twins when you, or 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 then it just became nationally the twins. We would walk through airport. <laughs> And we'd walk by and I'd hear a guy say, hey, there go the Twins. <laughs> and so it became really, really cool because you're right. When, you know, when I first got in the Mountain West, it was UNLV, New Mexico, San Diego State. Those three programs yeah. uh, were the, the programs that were being promoted um, from the national. They had name brand recognition. Um, and and uh, again, because of the players we had and the style of play, uh, and, and, and kind of being a team that, that people enjoyed watching, um, it turned it in, it, it turned Nevada into kind of a name brand uh, product in the college basketball environment.
0: And you had a great niche cause you'd play, you know, at uh, you know, whether it be uh seven, uh, 10 o'clock or 10 30 uh, Eastern. Uh, so, you know, I'm getting your games at nine, nine thirty in Baton Rouge. And, uh, and I, and that was, that was perfect for me. I could still say all the way to the end, uh, and watch those games. And it was, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was amazing. Uh, I think the biggest thing, Eric, was how you almost had to go and re-recruit your team last spring as all three of those kids could have put their name and they did put their name in, but could have gone to the pros. And I think they all made the right decision.
1: They, they. I think they did too, Coach. And you know, the big thing on that was uh, we, you know, we want our guys to reach their ultimate goal, which is which is to play in the NBA. Uh, Everyone's got that goal, but then realistically, some guys are going to have to play in Europe. Some guys are going to have to play in the G League. Um, And so, what you try to do with a guy, especially an underclassman, where Cody and Caleb Martin both had another year. Uh, of grad school to play and then Jordan Caroline um also had another year of eligibility and they all three tested the NBA waters and what we did is we just tried to number one set up the workouts in a manner where they were going to go to places that would one give them great feedback and be honest mm-hmm. uh and then two go to places uh where they could be uh have realistic chances meaning there was no real reason for those guys to go to a team that only had a lottery pick to work out because we had discussed internally with their families and inner circles uh, that maybe Caleb last year, a late first round mm-hmm. or potentially early second, uh, Cody Martin and Jordan Caroline more second rounders last summer or last year around this time. And so uh, those were the workouts that, we tried to set up and facilitate, and then, you, and then you've got uh, the added dimension of trying to have those guys not miss class while they're doing as many workouts as possible, and so we devoted a staff member, uh, basically, where that's all he did uh, for, the, for the month of the, of the draft workouts, and then what we just tried to do is call after each workout and get as much feedback Uh, for our guys as we could, and then present it to, to, to their families for them to make the decision, at least that it would be an educated decision based on a lot of feedback.
0: Yeah, no, it's a difficult thing. And I know, uh, the, the Martin, the twins are, are going to Chicago in a week, uh, for some workouts and stuff there. Uh, what's your expect? And they'll always be part of your family. Uh, what, what's your expectation for those guys?
1: You know, it's interesting because as you start talking to NBA GMs and, and uh, you know, NBA scouts, when you've been there, coach, it makes your presentation on the guys is much different. Um, you know, so you take a guy like Cody Martin, I, I can talk about a role that if I was an NBA coach, where he would fit in. In other words, yep. um, you know, he could fit in the last two minutes of the first quarter and the first four minutes of the second quarter, and he can play three different positions. And so you can get some rest with your starters by having a guy who can play positionless basketball and can play a little point guard for two minutes. Then maybe he can slide over the small forward and defend a premier score on the opposing teams. Um, And then he can come out. And then the benefit of having a guy like that in practice throughout the course of an 82-game season a guy that could guard a power forward in practice or guard a point guard in practice and the value that he would have on an NBA roster. So um, I think all three of those guys can play in the league, but they're also all three going to need to go to a situation where what they bring to the table is valued Um, because they all have one certain thing that I think makes them special. Jordan Caroline, it's his effort, getting loose balls, Uh, he's an improved three-point shooter. Caleb Martin's a dynamic scorer who I feel can be a dynamic defender at the NBA level. And We've talked about Cody's value as a player being uh, basically like a utility infielder who can play every position on a baseball diamond.
0: Yeah, no, and I think your point about having been a coach for years in the NBA gives you incredible street cred as far as they are going to listen to you, that when you say something to them, they know you know what you're talking about. Where many college coaches, they're just promoting their guys to help them. And we get that. But they don't know what it takes. They don't know, even if they played it, some of the teams that are the final eight teams in the country, that when you get them, they don't even know how to defend, right? And they're playing for elite coaches. And so you almost you have to start over as a pro coach from zero with those guys you understand that but you know those guys don't they don't understand it you know those kids have not been prepared frankly for you know how to you know how to play in the pro games but you what I like about the way you've coached in college is that you run your team like a pro team you know you run pro sets you talk to them like they're pro players and I think that that is so much in preparation for what they're and I think that's going to be huge at Arkansas with the players you're going to attract there.
1: We, we, you know, we hope so, coach. And I think the biggest thing is just, you know, with today's student athletes or today's NBA player, like it's got to be a partnership. And it, it doesn't mean that you lack discipline if you have partnership with your, with your ball club. Um, actually, I think you can, you can have more discipline, uh, if you partnership with them. In other words, you know, we would be on a team bus going, uh, to take the team to dinner. I'd walk to the back of the bus and just ask the players, like, what type of food you guys want? uh, And then let us find a restaurant in the area that suits what you guys want. And so it's a little thing uh, that makes the team feel like they have ownership in it. And then it's the same thing, even on pick and rolls, like you you brought up, you know, an an NBA style. We play no zone defense at all because I do think it helps prepare the guys uh, for the next level, and it's also what I'm most familiar and comfortable with teaching. Uh, but even on pick-and-roll situations, if we're playing a dynamic point guard, um, I'll tell the team, like, hey, here's uh, plan A, here's plan B. Do you guys have a plan C? We might hard-hedge or trap as plan A, plan B might be a switch. And then I'll ask the guys, like, do you guys have a third thought process that we want to work on this week leading up to the game. Mm-hmm. And I think when you get your players in input even in a timeout, you know, we'll ask our guys, "Hey, you know, what what set do you like best on on a wing pick and roll, you know, the action on the weak side? What do you guys think will work?" Because oftentimes if you have intelligent players, they can see more than your assistant coaches cuz they're being defended by the actions and they see open holes in the opposing team's defense. So I think it's always important uh, you know to try to try to get as much player feedback as possible, especially from your players uh, that have high basketball IQ. Well
0: I think what you're also doing, Mus, is you're 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 making you're helping them, you're educating them. Uh, if you just tell them every day uh, as one of them One coach that we work with uh, uses the terminology. He says, if you script everything for them, guess what? In the game, there are no scripts. And all of a sudden, when they have to now play what he calls messy basketball, when someone takes you out of what you're wanting to do, they have to be able to know how to play. And I think that's what you're doing. You're helping them learn how to play. And I think too many guys uh, try to script every drill out. That's not the way basketball is. It's 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 a reality show of things that you never planned for happening. And now, how do you react? How do you make quick decisions? And I think that's what you're really preparing you guys for. That's the NBA.
1: Yeah, you. I mean, you have to. I think you know a lot of the guys now are you know they're teaching concepts. When you look at the Warriors, a lot of stuff that that Golden State's doing exactly. is is basically out of concepts. And I, I I agree with that, Coach. That that basketball you can never plan. Uh, for what's going to happen over a forty-minute college game or a forty-minute NBA game, there's always detours and roadblocks that happen. Uh, every little four-minute segment, there's something new that happens that uh, that you had no clue that it was going to. You know, whether it's your own player getting into foul trouble, an opposing team getting into foul trouble, someone on one team getting hot, getting in a zone where you've got to try to milk that player as much as possible. Um, and and I felt like the great. Greatest coaches that I've worked with, or greatest coaches that I've coached against, have always been those coaches that have a feel during the course of the game.
0: You mentioned coaches you worked with. You and I had the opportunity to work uh, with our legendary friend and mentor Chuck Daly uh, with the Magic. Tell me what you learned from Chuck. What was good? What was you know what you enjoyed about it?
1: um so much i I think one other
0: than him buying every meal for us (laughs) yeah that was number one yeah
1: the free meals at the top end of every restaurant in every big city um the thing that that i'll that looking back now with with coach daly was i really felt like as much as he coached our team he was coaching our staff Mm -hmm. and 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 you would know much more than me, Coach, because you were with him way more years and at different time frames with him. But certainly be, being with him his last year of coaching um, and the only year that I was with him, I really, really felt like he was trying to prepare all of us that were under his little umbrella as coaches as much as he was preparing our team to win games. Um, but but I, with the players, I've never seen such a master of, 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 of being a players coach where the players loved playing for him, but also being a disciplinarian uh, and having his team execute late games. He was a basketball genius, but more so he was, he was a people genius in how to deal with, with, with all the different things that come up over an 82-game season.
0: Eric, when you worked with him, uh, he was sixty nine years old, okay. How incredible is that so uh to take you back to when you said you know, I was with him at different stages, so when I'm with him with the Pistons for four years, uh you know we go through this incredible run of championships uh The very first practice I go to, I joined their team the first week of January in 1989 because Dick Versace became the head coach of the Pacers. So I left the Hawks to go there as, as, as a top assistant. Now, imagine walking in to as a, to a team in January, and the two teams, the team I was with, the Hawks, and the Pistons hate each other, hate each other, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm walking in, and I'm going there, and I'm going to be a top assistant over Brendan Malone, who's been there from the start of the season. Okay, so that in itself is dicey. We only have two people on the staff. And the first day we go to practice, he says, uh, okay, you run practice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know guys' names, right? Uh, you know, and so and I said, what the hell do you want me to run practice? He says, they're tired of listening to me. And he walks away, as Chuck would do. He <laughs> walks away, and here I go. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted to be able to take a step back He wanted them to hear a different voice and then he would step in whenever he wanted to and coach the team, right? So we did this for four years. If you walked into our practice and you didn't know anyone, you were from a foreign country, you say, oh, that guy, that's Chuck Daly. And it was me because I'm running everything. All right. And then he would just, he'd he'd coach the game. And then all of a sudden we go to Orlando and that's, you know, several years later, he's 67 and, uh, and I, And so we go to first practice. I'm ready to run, you know, run practice. And he goes, uh, he pushes my hand back, and he takes over. And for two (laughs) years, he coached everything because he wanted to show those people, new people, that he could still do it. Never said a word to me. I just couldn't. I just read it, and he was just so phenomenal. You know, Eric, how about this? We're in Detroit, and and here's Isaiah Thomas. Who's like you know we all love, and and then there's Bill Laimbeer, and they're playing pick and roll defense, and we're hard hedge everything, and all of a sudden I'm like giving my scouting report first game, and he goes, uh, I say, hey, well, we're gonna hedge this, and 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 like Chuck says, hold on, Isaiah, how do you want to defend it, and it wasn't what I said, and and he goes, that's what we're going to do, and it's the first time I've ever had a coach in basketball. And, you know, I worked with UB, guys you love, UB, Mike Fratello. That's my background. They've never (laughs) asked the guys, hey, how do you want to defend something, right? And you know what? It was the most brilliant thing I've ever heard, you know, because now they participate, as you mentioned, with, you know, being able, Eric, to uh, give ownership to them and make a partnership. That is the most amazing thing that I think he brought to my life about the partnership of coaching.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was such a genius, and the cool thing is when you talk to former players, um, guys that played for him, you know, having worked with Rick Mahorn with the Hawks, mm-hmm. this, you know, Rick loved Coach Daly so much. Uh, one, because he thought he cared about him as a person. One, he talked to him about things other than basketball. But on the floor, it's those examples that you talk about Isaiah and, and have an input on pick and roll. Um, there's just so many things that you know that he taught everybody, and obviously because you have a photographic memory, you didn't really need to bring paper on the floor um, for scouting reports. But I do remember you probably don't even know this, coach, that one of the first game preps that we had when I was with Orlando, um, you were obviously doing all the preps, but I had a station and I had notes that I was carrying out on the floor that were uh, on the opposing teams and what that station was going to consist of. Mm -hmm. And he asked me what I was doing with paper, you know, and I I told him what it was. And he goes, put that away. It's got to be memorized. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my first. I'll never bring a sheet of paper on a practice floor again because, you know, here this idol or this bigger-than-life coach, he's like, what are you doing? Throw the paper in the trash can and go out there and coach. Um, but it was another great lesson of preparation and how you got to be ready.
0: <laughs> you went to a much better school than Chuck and I. You went to the University <laughs> of San Diego, a great Jesuit school. Chuck and I went to state colleges. He's at Bloomsburg. I'm at Montclair State. We cheated our way through. I had paper in my pocket all the time. So <laughs> so and try- But you know what? The thing that B.J. Armstrong, uh, you know, we had, remember that second year in Orlando, and B.J., to this day, every time we talk, he'll say, how did Chuck do that? How did Chuck do that? He'll cite stories of Chuck that he had as one player. This guy's with Phil Jackson for years, and he he says, I had Chuck Daly and Phil Jackson. He holds them equal, uh, you know, and, and it's just so neat. That is Eric, I think, the biggest thing that you bring to coaching for these young players today is who think that they're you know tomorrow they're in the NBA they want to skip steps the whole deal. What you bring to them is the credibility of that you've been everywhere and that you know you you know how to get them there. But most importantly, the deep caring you have for them and that. That is, if you trust me, as Chuck always used to say, if you trust me, listen to me. I'll help you get to, as you said in the beginning, to reach your potential, and that's a fair deal, I think. For it really player
1: is. Player. I, I think too, coach, that like the trust is like earned through, um, you know, the guys seeing how you treat them on a daily basis, and and I think along with you know the credibility factor also is is like being truthful, like. You know, every college player in every roster thinks that they're an NBA player. And in reality, you know, that's not the case, as we all know, that there's very few guys, you know, that are going to be part of this draft that are going to last more than three years in the league.
0: Absolutely. And
1: so, especially at the college level, uh, like you've got to, that's why education becomes so important and life skill lessons that you can help with your guys Uh, are so important and and obviously when you're coaching in the g league or the minor leagues uh, you know your job is basically to try to get that player to the next level from a basketball standpoint but at the college level it's about how do you prepare the student athlete for life when basketball is done and can you help them at least further their career so that they're bouncing the ball a little bit longer beyond college if that's what they want but more importantly, it's what does a player say to you 20 years from now uh, as opposed to just the next three or four years when they're done playing for you?
0: The impact, must that you make on players at this level is far greater than we can at the pro level. We both understand that. And that's what makes it exciting, I think, for us that we can do that. But uh, Coach,
1: are, are you saying that you don't think that I had an impact? On Ron Artest slash Better World well, Peace I, when well, I was on our te- in Sacramento, you know, I
0: I, <laughs> I, I, I thought Artest you really related to well uh, Gilbert Arenas, you know, eh, I'm a little sure, but you know, you know, I, I always say I I really I I developed uh, Dominique Wilkins right, and I ended up more with Gerald Wilkins, you know, but I don't know, but I don't, <laughs> you know, I, the the thing is that uh, uh, you know, hey, I, I Doc Rivers I drafted. Okay, we love Doc. You worked for him, you know, and I drafted him when he was twenty years old. I remember second round pick at the Hawks, thirty first pick, and uh, and and we we did his contract, and it gave him eighty thousand dollars non guaranteed. True story. Wow. And, and and now he's the highest paid coach in the NBA. And 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 approximately twenty years ago, I, I went to him and I said, I really think you could be a hell of a coach. And he turned to me, and I often tell the story because as a player, 13 years, an NBA player, he said to me, hey, Brendan, go F yourself. Uh, The last thing I want to do is ever coach. And I tried to explain to him he had charisma, he had ability to create relationships, he had credibility with players, but most of all, he was a basketball savant. But the communication, I thought, was off the charts. And he still echoed those, you know, F words to me. But... uh, (laughs) And now we're 21 years later, he, he, you know, he's coaching and 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 he and he, and, he's, and he came and spoke at coaching you last summer in Vegas and he said to me he said uh, the greatest thing I've ever done is coach and he says i like it more than when I played. And for a player to say he likes coaching more than playing, that tells you a lot of how good the guy is. Uh, you know, but doc is an extraordinary human being and a, and a hell of a guy, great pop and uh, and a great dad and everything. And I think that's another thing that we talk about, Eric is, and and I think to really be a great coach nowadays, especially at the collegiate level, I think you have to be a great parent. I know. And I'm not being, you know, and I, I, I just believe that because how can you coach someone else's kids if you don't coach your own kids well, and you're one of the most extraordinary fathers I know. And and I love that about you, with Michael and Matthew and and my girlfriend Mariah, Mike. Uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you, know, she, you know, you know, you know what you do with your kids, and you make them so much integral part. I think that your players sense of how important family is, and that I think Eric is so strong.
1: I, you know, I think like the biggest thing, coach, is is. Uh... You know, with your with like my two sons, for instance, I I would you know one of the reasons I wanted the Nevada job so bad was was because it was a three and a half hour drive. I remember, um, I remember you know that. from my from my sons and, and their home in in the Bay Area, and I would literally probably ten to to thirteen times a year for Matthew's entire four year high school career, I would drive across that mountain. It takes three and a half hours. I would watch a a high school game, which takes about an hour and 20 minutes. And then I would get back in the car and drive back. Um, and, and it was exhausting. And a lot of times through snowstorms over the Sierra mm-hmm. mountains, um, a lot of times chain control over those mountains um, and, and near blizzard conditions. But, um, you know, my players knew that. Like They knew if I was leaving uh, practice 15 minutes early where I was going, um, and 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 our family like your players are your family, um, and then your wife becomes part of your current team. Uh, my sons are part of the, the team, and and uh, I, I think you're right. I think uh, in order to be, you got to be a, a great husband and a great father before you can even be a great coach. Because if you can't take care of the stuff at home, you got no chance with your team.
0: I really believe that, and uh, so this is uh, for our listeners that didn't come to Vegas to hear, Doc. The greatest coaching tip ever gotten at a clinic and all those fools that don't go to clinics, any clinic, to learn to keep being a continuous learner. Shame on you. But here Doc t- said he, his topic he wanted to speak on. I've never had a coach ask me to do this. Crisis management and leadership during that time. Unbelievable. Like at a basketball clinic. Are you kidding? That's a CEO talk, you know, to. And here's the point. Here's the coaching point he left. He said, I coached my son, Austin. And he said, but what I learned about that was I learned that as a coach, you need to coach every player on your team like it's your own son and daughter. I said, wow. And I think. And I think about some of the coaches in different sports that are having problems because of their bulliness or their verbal abuse to their players. That doesn't mean you don't lose your temper and that you don't coach them hard and be demanding. I'm not talking about that. But we are that way with our own children. But coach them with civility and love. And I, when he said that, it all of a sudden struck a chord. And I said, you know what? we got to coach our players like they're our own children and we'll be much better for doing that.
1: I don't think there's any doubt about that. And even, you know, it's really interesting coach because um, obviously, you you know, getting back to college basketball, Mm -hmm. you're, recruiting visits. um, Everybody would like a commitment when a guy comes on campus. And um, when I sat back, um, and kind of observed. There was three years I wasn't working, but was hanging around college programs. And then I was an assistant for three years. One of the things that that I felt uncomfortable at times was when a student athlete was being um, in a room and you're trying to close them. And I kept thinking about my two sons. It kept going through my head all the time, and I would actually break out in a sweat. Um, wow thinking about the pressure if, if my son was, 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 was kind of pushed into making a decision on the spot. And so from a recruiting standpoint, I always remember that when guys are on visits.
0: How about um, that?
1: And, and it's just stuck with me. And it, I get emotional thinking about um, one of my two sons in a room with some grown adults and who can really know how to manipulate to right out of them.
0: and they're really good at manipulating and stuff like that <laughs>
1: it's it's hard it's it's hard um and so we've kind of tried to take a little bit of the reverse of not as much pressure um and that? it seems to work when you, when you do it that way
0: you know, and, and it's really fascinating. You know, and 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 everyone has their own style, but uh, I kind of like that. And you know what? I think Eric, I think it's got to fit your personality. And 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 hey, there's no one more tougher and more aggressive than you, but you have also a, a great sense of people. And for you to recognize that, I think is absolutely brilliant. And I think it's and obviously it's bode you really well. I mean, because the players that you get to come there, uh. I think speaks for itself, you know um uh, that that's fascinating and stuff what now you were nice enough to uh leave l s u uh, to take the Nevada job and allow me <laughs> to slide into your spot. So we really appreciate that and allow me to coach uh, Ben Simmons for a year, which was, uh, you know, really life-changing, you know, to all the players I've worked with. He was just so unique, so fascinating. and And you said something before that really struck a chord. You know, you know of Ben, and you didn't get to actually coach him like you wanted to. But the thing that impressed me about him, must was he, he? He was a genius, an absolute genius. Basketball, you know, he he knew every, he knew more than me, way more. wasn't even close. And and this kid was it's all natural. And uh, and so one day I was teaching them pick and roll defense in the summertime. We we're going to Australia. I'd only met with him like for three days, and all of a sudden, the second day I taught it, I must have said something slightly different. And he said, Coach, very respectfully, don't you mean this? And I said, and I thought about it, and he said, basically he was saying, I just said something that was wrong. That, And I said, Ben, you're absolutely right. You're Thank you for correcting me. And the other players, like eyeballs popped out, and some of the coaches looked at me like, but he, but he was right. And for me to say, no, I'm right, you're wrong, would have been, the kiss of death for me as a coach in my opinion and I don't know why coaches have a hard time with that
1: I think your players actually love it uh when you show vulnerability I think that it's uh you know whether it's a press conference mm-hmm. and, and and you take uh blame for something or it can all it can be behind closed doors yeah. uh where you tell the guys like hey you know that pick and roll that we used last night uh that's all on me uh, it backfired. Uh, we had too many gaps in, in how we prepare. You're going to get your guys to play harder, you know, the, the next game. And, and you bring up Ben Simmons and having watched him in high school. Like, when you have an innate feel for the game, like those guys do, and there's very few that have it, um, those guys, you got to let you, – you want their input because, like you said, they're, they're often smarter uh than we are as coaches and and uh, Keith smart played for me and 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 the value that Keith would give me during games was incredible and i think you know all of us have players throughout the course of of our coaching careers where we just say like that guy's really smart like Earl Boykins i wanted him to talk in timeouts because of how smart he was and had such a great feel for the game and how he viewed the game um, so, yeah, I, I think that, that oftentimes those guys that, that are superstars, they, they feel and see the game much different uh, even than good coaches do.
0: And, and, you know, what was great about Ben, is it showed he was listening to me the day before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, you know, hey, man, you're wrong. No, he, he was listening and he said, didn't you tell us this yesterday? and and that meant he was listening and and that was really engaging and stuff and uh you know i think i think the the really neat thing about uh the, the coaching uh at this level is you get to you get every every day it's something new and I, and i don't mean the off the court things i i mean the stuff even on the court and you see something you see a guy develop I know player development's always been a huge part, and you've taken players and really helped them get to another level. Uh, And I know that's going to really continue at Arkansas. How do you go about it?
1: I think the first thing is with a player is, is, all right, identify his strengths and compliment him over and over and over and over and over on his strengths because you never want a player uh, not to feel good. If it's a great shooter, you want him to have incredible off-the-charts confidence with this shooting. Um, but then also, after you've laid the foundation that, hey, I've identified that you're great at this one thing, now where are the holes?
0: Mm-hmm. And how
1: do we try to close the gap on those holes? It might be a player who is weak going to his offhand. And how do you get the player to, number one, accept, all right, I have a deficiency in this area. And I think once you can show the player that through film, through statistics, um, n- now you got the guy and now it becomes all right. Now what are the drills to try to get him to improve that deficiency all the while continuing his one strength to continue that to get better and better because the, the players that I think are the hardest to coach are the guys that don't have one thing that sets them apart. Whether it's a loose ball getter, whether it's a shooter, whether it's a guy with great speed, whether it's a great shot blocker, it's the guys that don't do something really well uh, that are hardest to coach. Uh, but I think from a player development standpoint, it's one they got to trust you. Um, two, they got they have to think that you think they're a good player. Like it's <laughs> it's really hard to improve a player if that particular player thinks that that hey, my coaching staff doesn't think that I'm that good. Um so I think you really got to build them up even before you can start talking about hey these are the areas that we've got to improve on cuz really player development is getting better at what you're good at and then also getting better at those areas that you lack.
0: I think I think that's outstanding. Now, the SEC uh, when you got here to LSU boy it was it was it was a heck of a conference and now it's even going to another level and I think mainly because the great coaches in this conference i think coaches in college basketball dictate how good a conference can become because players are attracted to good coaches it's even gotten better with you and buzz you know coming in here uh you know and i'm a big nate oats fan uh going to alabama you know I, i think the coaching is so strong in this league uh and that's exciting for you too right
1: I don't think there's any doubt. You know, one of the things that when my family and I sat down and talked about um, the opportunity to come to Arkansas it was this is awesome. Like I'm going to have an opportunity to coach against Coach Calipari and and some of the great coaches, um, you know, in this conference. And and um, you know, having coached in the NBA, uh, when you're standing on the sideline and you're coaching against uh, you know, Coach <laughs> Riley or Phil Jackson or whoever. Like uh, those games, uh, you know, you you as a coach, you get fired up for those games. You uh, you want to compete against the very best, and certainly uh, in this conference uh, you're talking about right now. I mean, it's it's as good as any conference in the country, coaching wise, player talent wise. You're talking about a conference that potentially is going to get seven, eight teams into the tournament. Um, so it's 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 going to be a big time challenge from a recruiting standpoint. And as you know better than anyone, Brennan, it's just like how it's so hard to win a game.
0: People don't A-game. understand. You're that. absolutely right. It is
1: so hard to win just one game.
0: You know, I think uh, you know that was you know. And we see it all the time. People say, oh, so-and-so will win this playoff series in six. They'll win in seven. And, or when we used to have to go out and take a West Coast trip, you know, whether we were in Orlando or you were in Atlanta. And you take a West Coast trip or when you were coaching in Golden State or SAC and you had to go east. And people say, oh, you have five-game trip. You'll win three of them and Chuck used to have a great saying you got to win one game before you win two <laughs> and, and i you know again the brilliance of it you know i mean yeah you got to win one first you know you can't win 3 out of 4 before you win one and and it's so hard to get players to focus on the next game you know uh what do you what do you do now with a new program once you get all your players in there how are you going to approach the summer with them and then going into the fall
1: You know, I mean, number one, everyone uses the word culture, but um, certainly it's going to, you know, like it's going to start in the weight room because our strength coach is going to have a lot of time with guys. And and so there's there's weight room stuff, there's conditioning stuff, uh, there's mental stuff, whether it's, you know, we've always done the mile time. And, you know, some people say in basketball, you don't need to do the mile time. But to me, it's a mental thing more than it is even a physical uh, thing. But, um, you know, we want our guys to, because it's our first year, uh, our two five-week summer sessions will be different here at Arkansas than they would have been if I was going to go back to Nevada for a fifth year, right. um, because our guys already knew the system, and they knew the style of play, and they knew who I was, and I knew who they were, are as people, and so we're going to have to do a lot more team bonding stuff. We're going to have to do a lot more stuff off the floor where we get to know one another, uh, as people um, so it'll be you know more things at my house it'll be uh, things that we did at Nevada but but tapered off towards the end spin classes and 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 things of that nature to have fun but yet also compete um, our staff will do competitive stuff with the guys as well um, and and then on the floor there's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of terminology stuff it's going to be a lot of introducing. Uh, you know, how we play pick and rolls and how we defend cross screens and down screen actions and those type of things because we don't want to get uh, to, to October and start doing that stuff. So in our allotted time frame, uh, we will really, really try to get our guys to understand the identity that we want to play with on both sides of the ball. Well,
0: I'm very, very, uh, very confident. Uh, <laughs> confident would be a bad word. I know that you're going to have them ready, and your experience at Arkansas is going to be spectacular. The people there are going to fall in love with you, and your family. Your style of play will be incredible. And uh, I found it to be by far the most intimidating arena in the league to go into uh i welcome going to kentucky before that place i'm telling you uh and i i might even fly in just to see you call the hogs i might i might do that myself but <laughs> but, uh, well,
1: but uh, the Musselman household has practiced that enough be so we're we're ready uh, to call the hogs at any moment, I can tell you that
0: isn't that awesome. I tell you what, but uh, hey, I'm so happy for you, man. And it, uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great experience for you, and the fans are going to really enjoy it. and And I can't wish you enough. And every time we uh, we we seem to do a, a podcast, every time you take a new job, but we'll have to catch up sooner than that. We don't need to wait to the next one. Okay, so uh, you're gonna be there a long time, <laughs> Eric. Thank you so much, brother.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, Coach.
0: Must thank you so much. Uh, great coach. He's going to be phenomenal at Arkansas, and really watch this program as it as it continues to just rise and and go ahead. It's really uh, is a great coaching hire uh, for the SEC and for Arkansas, uh, and it makes that basketball conference just one of the absolute strongest in the country. But I, I want to remind everyone uh, till May thirty one. This is your last discount price of three hundred forty-nine dollars for coaching you VIP, our experience out in Vegas, uh, July eight and nine. Make sure you you sign up. It, it, we only limit it to about hundred seats, so make sure you sign up. We're more than halfway there, so you want to get in three forty-nine. The price on June one jumps to three ninety-nine. Okay, so we're trying to help you you know to save money as you go along and really i want to emphasize you get all the videos of all our incredible speakers you're going to get two meals with our with everyone there and our staff you're going to be able to have dry fit t-shirt with coaching you on it and you're going to get a coaching you notebook it's and plus opportunities to in our community to visit with some of the best coaches in the world i it's one of my favorite times of the year because it just is a gathering of people that really love the game and want to continue to strive and get better so make sure may 31 is your cutoff for the 349 then we're jumping to 399 go to coaching you coaching you to register till next week this is the coach brendan sir